it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. And what a beautiful spirit there is here this morning. Interestingly enough, so many things were in direct correlation with my sermon this morning. So I'm really excited about this. And I've learned some new things even in preparing this sermon. So let me start with this. This wonderful quote I had heard. Some Christians haven't even attempted to think about whether or not they would die for Jesus because they really haven't been living for him. Jesus, those who have been under bondage of slavery and are free, your faith was not in vain. Now, I'd love you to turn your attention to the screens one more time, and I have the definition of revolutionary up on the screen, and this is really pertinent to the sermon this morning, and as you read it, uh, Ron, would you stand and just, in your loud voice, read the definition of this is from the Latin word, derived from the Latin word. A person who is about a sudden radical or complete change, a fundamental change in political, social, or cultural organization, a fundamental change in the way of thinking about or visualizing something, one engaged in a revolution, an advocate or adherent of revolutionary doctrines, doctrines that are Galileo, Da Vinci, William Shakespeare, George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, Patrick Henry, James Madison, Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, Martin Luther, John the Baptist, Martin Luther King. These are the strange ones who challenged society with a different way of thinking. They were the rebels and heretics of their days. 
But if history is told correctly, no man has caused the worldwide stir that Jesus Christ did some 2,000 years ago. So many, yes, give the Lord a clap off him. Thank you, Jesus. So, so many people portray Jesus as weak or an out-of-date artifact hanging on a wall or a stained glass window looking for a brighter day. But Jesus was the nonconformist of all time. He took the convention of religion, tradition, and love and turned them upside down. He faced political and religious leaders of his day and spoke truths they had never, ever heard before. He walked in our world as the human voice of one and only God. When I think of our forefathers, I think of ones so not, common, so not commonly acknowledged, such as James Madison. And James Madison was the primary author of the Constitution of the United States. He said this, we have staked the whole future of our political constitutions upon the capacity of each of ourselves to govern ourselves according to the moral principles of the Ten Commandments. When I heard that, I was like, wow, they didn't make up these laws. These were God's laws, God's commandments that they took and formed what they wanted our nation to be. Another example is Patrick Henry and who is called the firebrand of American Revolution. And of course, we all still remember his words, give me liberty or give me death. But in current textbooks, and this is very sad, it's, it's not even in the textbooks, it's omitted. There is actually said, <clears throat> there, his actual words were, and I love this, an appeal to arms that God of hosts is all that has left us, but we shall not fight the battle alone. There is a just God that presides over the destinies of nations. I love that because I felt like that was totally for Go Church. The battle, sir, is not the strong alone. It is life so dear or peace so sweet as, be, as to be purchased at a price of chains and slavery. Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but give me liberty or give me death. And the sad thing is that these have been erased from our textbooks. Was Patrick Henry a Christian? And this is the interesting thing, because in 1776, he wrote this, I cannot emphasize too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not on religionists, but by Christians. Not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. For that reason alone, people of other faiths have been afforded the freedom to worship here. This was a man not conforming to a religious dogma, or he wasn't conforming to what the world says you should conform to. He obviously had a personal relationship with Christ. He had a friendship with Christ. And so, once again, we're seeing that our nation was based on something that was far greater, going back to the Ten Commandments far greater than our capacity to even understand or even grasp. And I love this. And this, when I read about this last man that I want to talk about, um, is Frederick Douglass. And I've heard the name in our history books, but I was never taught anything about this man. And when I read about him, I cried. 
I literally cried. And I thought, why are, why are we not studying this as American citizens, as American children in our country about this great man? Now, let me give you a little bit of bio on this, because there was a speech that he wrote that was so pertinent to our country and to what this 4th of July stands for. Frederick Douglass was born in a slave in a slave cabin in February 1818 near the town of Easton on the eastern shore of Maryland. Um, when he, he was separated from his mother when he was just a few weeks old, he was raised by his grandparents. And at the age of six, his grandmother took him to a plantation of their master and left him there. Not being told by her that he was going to leave him, Douglas never recovered from the betrayal of that abandonment. When he was about eight, he was sent to be a houseboy in Baltimore, um, who the owners were Hugh and Sophia Odd, relatives of his first master. It was shortly after his arrival, his new mistress started to teach him the alphabet. But it was forbade in America for any blacks to learn any, or any slaves to learn any sort of the alphabet or any sort of reading. So it was her husband made her stop. Now listen to this. He was internationally recognized as a man who wanted to abolish slavery. He became the trusted advisor to Abraham Lincoln, United States Marshal of the District of Columbia, recorder of deeds for Washington, D.C., and the Minister General to the Republic of Haiti. He believed there were three keys to success. Believe in yourself, take advantage of every opportunity, use the power of the spoken written language to effectively, uh, um, effective positive change for yourself and your society. And what Douglas said was, what is possible for me is possible for you. What a profound statement. This is a man who was in bondage. And if he said, if it's possible for me, it's possible for you. Now, in 1850, he was asked, he usually spent about six months to eight months a year out of the year lecturing all over the world. On July 5th, 1852, Douglas gave a speech at an event commemorating the signing of the Declaration of Independence. It was a biting oratory in which the speaker told his audience, this 4th of July is yours, not mine. You may rejoice, I must mourn. And he asked them, do you mean citizens to mock me by asking me to speak today? With this now infamous address is what historians have called probably the most moving passage of all of Douglas's speech. And let me read it to you because I don't want to miss a portion of this. What to the American slave is your 4th of July? I answer, a day that revels to him more than any other of all the other days in the year, the gross injustice and cruelty to which he is a constant victim. To him, your celebration is a sham, your boasted liberty and a holy license, your national greatness swelling vanity, your sounds of rejoicing are empty and heartless, your denunciation of tyrants' brass, confronted impudence, your shout of liberty and quality, hollow mockery, your prayers and hymns, your sermons of thanksgiving with all your religious parade and solemnness are to him mere bombast, fraud, deception, impiety, and hypocrisy. A thin veil to cover up such crimes that would disgrace the nation of savages. 
There is not one nation on earth guilty of practices more shocking and bloody than the people of the United States at this very off, at this very hour. I cried when I read that. I cried when I read that because he said, what is possible is for me is possible for you. And then that made me realize in God's word, even Frederick Douglass knew this. It says in John 8, 32, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And then in John 8, 34 and 36, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slavery of sin. A slave is not, is not a permanent member of a family, but a son is a part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free, truly free indeed. Now you say, well, how, how can I, I'm white, how can this even, how can I equivocate this to myself? What does this mean to me? I, I, I'm Hispanic. I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, listen, there are so many different types of slavery that we can be bound under. We can be bound under drugs. We can be bound, bound under food, wrong thinking, alcohol, a filthy mouth, pornography. Or how about giving others authority over you by what they say? Or uh, one of my favorites is, well, this is the way we've always done it. I, I can't get out of this. This is, but Christ has come that he wants to change your thinking. He doesn't want you to be a slave to that. I love when somebody says to me, oh, you know, I cannot, I cannot do that because somebody said this about me. Well, listen, if I stopped every time somebody said this about me, I'd be under the bed, under the covers all the time. And you know what? That's just where Satan wants me because I have had people say things to me that I felt like, I wanted to just get in a little ball, get under my bed and hide. And you know what? I have just given them and Satan authority over me, over my mind, over my thoughts, over my thinking. You gave them permission to make you feel like that. Christ didn't come to let you have, have them have that sort of power over you or that sort of oppression over you. Christ came to give you freedom. And I can't express to you. Then there's no, there, there's no sense of jealousy. There's no sense of when Christ relieves you of this and he takes that all away. You don't struggle with, well, wow, Selena sure looks great in that dress. I wish I had it. Well, if I had it, I wouldn't look as great as Selena does in that dress. <laughs> and, and so that's where we're so individually our makeups are so perfect in how Christ has made us up. And, and when I think about, about I, I was telling my kids, I can take this from Frederick Douglass far more than somebody that's sitting on their prissy pedestal saying, oh, well, I can't do this. Oh, my word, this was a man that was enslaved. He was in chains. He was bound. He was owned by somebody else, and it wasn't Jesus Christ. And they told him what to do and when to do it and how to do it. And if he says, I can be free, I can be free from a book, from a book that was inspired by God. How hard could it be for us? How hard could it be for us? 
When I think of our forefathers, I think of what the Apostle Paul wrote. These were regarding the work of Jesus setting us free. The spirit of the life in Christ, like a strong wind, was magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from the faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. And here it is in Romans 8, 2. For the law of the spirit of the life of Jesus Christ had made me free from the law of sin and death. It holds no bondage under you or over you or around you or abound you or, or underneath you or stopping you from what God wants you to be and how he wants you to be it. The law of sin and death is a controlling power which places people in bondage and reduces them to wretchedness. That word is such a descriptive word, wretchedness. I don't want to be wretched. I want to be free. I want to be free to enjoy the Lord as I want to see fit. And how I do it, you know, oh, I, had to, I had to work at this so hard because I am so shy. And, and when your dad's a pastor, you feel like, okay, do I, do I outwardly express how to praise the Lord? Because people think that I should be doing that because my dad's a pastor. But I don't want to do it because of that. I want to do it because I really want to do it. But then if I really do it, somebody's like, well, she's the pastor's daughter, so she's really doing it. And so you're under this terrible bondage of like, well, what do you do? What do you do? And, and the Lord said to me one time when I was alone, and I was a lot older because it was so personal to me. Praising the Lord was so personal because he had done so many things for me that nobody else had known that I had asked the Lord for do, to do, and he had done them. And so you see, I didn't, want to, I didn't want to make a blasphemy of what God had done. And I wanted to be the same every place I was, not two different people, one way in church and someplace different at Kmart or Woolworths or Kresge's at the stores of my time. And uh, Kmart wasn't there. <laughs> And, and I, I wanted to be the same person. And the Lord said, man, when people, I love that. My kids always say, you say man. I don't think he said man. <laughs> but he said, James, you know, when people give you their trash clothing and you're at home and you go through that, you're like, yes, yes, I look what I can do with this. Look what I, oh, yes. Oh, oh I can make this into this and I could do this and he said, you know what? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh! He said, you know what? If you can do that at home alone, just for me, could you maybe do that a little publicly for me? I want to free you, Jane. Now, I remember one of the first times it happened, the Lord told me to lay prostrate, and I was in my 40s. And then I said, you know how you kind of get down like this? Okay, Lord. So you kind of get, you know, halfway there. And the Lord said, no, Jane, I'm asking you to go all the way. If you love me, I was like, you know, Lord, people don't know me. I'm new here. They're going to think I'm crazy. You know, the Bible says that, that you're, there's to know your fruits. They don't know my fruits. They do not know me. And the Lord said, I know you, and I'm asking you to do this. So, of course, then you get kind of down like this. How's this? And the Lord said, I said, all the way down. You're like, oh, okay. So you kind of go like this. 
<laughs> you know, on, on the side, sort of. And the Lord said, no, all the way down. And let me tell you, when I went all the way down, there was a release. There was a freedom. And the Lord said, it doesn't matter because I know you. And I am all that matters. And I want to free you from whatever bondage you are under. And so with that, in Galatians 3.28, I love this. This is our forefathers' promise to us. Now, I think this should be Global Outreach's church's verse. And it says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male or female. For ye are all one in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And, if, and this is verse 29. And if ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to his promise. Man, I want to be an heir because my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And I want a piece of that. Are you kidding? Oh, praise the Lord. And I love our forefathers, but they were just human. But our true forefathers are God. Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And they want to direct us in every which way we need to go and how we need to go. And with this, I'm going to end. In Revelation 1.5, it says this. And from Jesus, who is faithful, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the rulers of the king of the earth, to him who loves us, had freed us by, from our sins by his blood. You see, for some, standing for Jesus actually means dying for him. And Galatians 1.5 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, and then do not let yourselves be burdened again by that yoke of slavery. Have you ever seen an oxen? Have you ever seen an oxen that has had to carry the heavy yoke, that heavy yoke of slavery and a bondage? Their shoulders protrude way up, far, far different than an oxen that's never had to do a day's work in its life. <laughs> um, their, their shoulders and their neck bows way low from having to carry that huge yoke. I want to be free of that yoke. I want to be free of anything that anyone has to say because I want to solely look to my forefathers for everything I need. That's what we're based on. We're based on our forefathers, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And I say, direct me constantly because I am human and I need your help every day to be free of this. And before I close, I want to read you a story. And this story is uh, out of Korea. And since we are a global church, I thought this fit so, so well. And what I want to do is challenge you to be the forefathers of our generations to come. Challenge you to stand firm and not be by, burdened by the yoke of slavery. 
This happened in 1970s, the late 70s. And it's for years, Pastor Kim and 27 of his flock of Korean saints had lived in hand-dug tunnels beneath the earth. Then as the communists were building a road, they discovered the Christians living underground. The officials brought them out before a crowd of 30,000 in the village of Gokson for a public trial and execution. They were, to know, they were told, deny Christ or you will die. But they refused. At this point, the head communist officer ordered four children from the groups and they seized them and prepared them for hanging. With the ropes tied around their small little necks, the officer again commanded the parents to deny Christ. Not one of the believers would deny their faith. They told the children, we will soon see you in heaven. And the children died quietly. The officer then called for steamrollers to be brought in. He forced the Christians to lie on the ground in its path. And as its engine revved, they were given one last chance to recant their faith in Jesus. And again, they refused. They were not going to take that yoke of slavery. And as the steamroller began to inch forward, the Christians began singing a song they had often sung together. As their bones were being crushed under the pressure of the massive rollers, their lips uttered these words, More love to thee, O Christ. More love to thee. Thee alone I seek. More love to thee. Let sorrow do its work. More love to thee. Then shall my last breath whisper thy praise. This be my parting cry. My heart shall rise. More love to thee, O Christ. More love to thee. This execution was reported in North Korean press as an act of suppressing superstition. Mine eyes have seen the glory
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, dear Jesus. And I would like to invite you, if you don't know, the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior, and you want to be free, you want to be free from the sin that oppresses you, or you just want to be free from some sort of bondage you're under, I would love to pray with you. I will stay afterwards. I will stay as long as I need to stay because I want to see you be free. And I'd like to dismiss you with this benediction. And I hope you have a wonderful, a wonderful 4th of July. And I hope you remember at what cost we gained our freedom. If it wasn't for Jesus dying on the cross, we would have to do all these things. We'd have to kill a lamb. We would have to do all these sacrifices. But God did that sacrifice for us. He sent us his only son, Jesus. So please stand and go in the name of the Lord. Dismiss us now, O Lord, in your name. Send us forth in your strength and let us on this special day of Independence Holiday always remember your son has freed us. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Go in the name of the Lord.